potential and possibilities, discussions with fascinating people, designing a better tomorrow for all of us. I'm your host, Ira Pastor. Welcome everybody again to another episode of our show, bringing you another really fascinating guest today, helping to create uh, a better tomorrow, not just for us, but for all our, uh, our friends in the animal kingdom and our pets. Um, today we have the honor of being joined by Dr. Holly Gans, who is the Chief Science Officer and co-founder uh, of Animal Biome, which is a company uh, that has a goal to help cats and dogs lead longer, happier lives, ultimately using science uh, to help unlock the mysteries of the pet gut microbiome, uh, providing access to a range of genetic data on the health of the gut microbiome, better ways to log health diet records, and ultimately offer remedies to help treat chronic digestive disorders uh, and other conditions in these companion animals. Um, Dr. Gans received her her bachelor's in biology from George Washington University, uh, her master's uh, from Scripps Institute of Oceanography and Marine Biology, her PhD from UC Davis in entomology and evolutionary uh, ecology, and for the last couple decades has been really uh, deep in studying the interaction between microbes and their hosts. Uh, after receiving her doctorate, Dr. Gans was uh, awarded an international postdoc fellowship uh, from the National Science Foundation, where she was studying how uh, genetics ultimately affect the spread of various fungal infections in, in animal populations. She also did a postdoc fellow at UC Berkeley studying uh, bacterial pathogens uh, surviving in soil and how they infect the African wildlife. Uh, she's published a couple dozen papers in the peer-reviewed literature, uh, and we're glad to have her with us today. Um, Dr. Holly Gans, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show. Thank you for having me. It's it's uh, it's great to have you. I I really enjoyed uh, sort of reading through your bio and then looking at some of your uh, postdoc work, which uh, spanned uh, areas from studying epidemiology and 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 these microbial ecologies in grazing animals. You studied microbes uh, that cause periodontal disease in dogs. Really fascinating range of topics. And then uh, you got onto the entrepreneurial side and you started Animal Biome. Talk a little bit about those early days, if you would. Um, some of what you were doing beforehand and what got you interested in, in setting up this company. Yeah, I mean, in a sense, it really grew out of the postdoctoral work I was doing on soil ecology. I was working at um, with some researchers at Lawrence Berkeley National Lab, and they had invented a method for characterizing all known bacteria using a gene chip. And we started using it for um, soil. I was really interested as a community ecologist in how um, soil microorganisms were interacting to affect the survival of pathogens and parasites in the environment. 
and um, and how they moved to grazing animals. Um, but I fell in love with my herding dog who I had adopted in grad school and um, decided I wanted to apply that technology to companion animals. I started um, studying oral microbiome in dogs at the vet school at UC Davis. And then um, we got really interested in trying to study cats and a cat microbiome. And I had some trouble getting funding for that. So I decided to do a Kickstarter and I asked people to, um, if they would support our, our efforts and send us a bit of cat poop in the mail. And then we would sequence it, look at the bacteria and just try and create a baseline for like, what should, what does the cat microbiome look like? And, you know, could we see if there are any things like, does it vary with lifestyle or diet or disease states? And, but I, I really just started talking to people about their pet cats. And a lot of them had a cat with chronic diarrhea and they had been on this sort of medical merry-go-round where they tried everything. They had tried prescription diets. They had tried, they'd done lots of antibiotics um, and steroids, of course. Mm -hmm. And they just found that they were still living with diarrhea on a daily basis and their cats were suffering. And so even though I wasn't promising I could solve the problem, they still wanted to support research to, to look into it. And, um, and so that's sort of, I just couldn't stop thinking about them. And then I, so then I sort of explored like, um, you know, how do, how do you start a business? They had some programs through the business school to try and teach scientists a little bit about, about that. That's why I, I um, was awarded this small fellowship, uh, mm -hmm. Keller Pathway Health Fellowship. So that I got to go to weekly um, or no monthly lunches with entrepreneurs and people who have experience in this world. And also they have an entrepreneurship academy. And so I started, we had to pitch to um, friendly, you know, mentors. Um, what's your idea? What problem are you solving? All of that. And so that's sort of how I got started was through sort of that support. Awesome. Really awesome. And, and you know, you, you mentioned the, um, uh, the medical merry-go-round and you talked about sort of this um, three-way of the antibiotics, the steroids, the prescription diets. Um, and, and their effect, obviously, on, um, okay, we have this core issue here, we have cats or dogs, they have some GI problems, but uh, at the same time, and I think that I, I saw this on your, or, you know, sort of in your literature, you know, you talk about gut health, yes, important, but we're learning as with humans and, and everything else, our gut health also impacts everything else, <laughs> uh, and vice versa in, in, in some ways. What are some, you know, besides diarrhea, of course, what are some of the core health issues, and, and I apologize ahead of time, we're not a cat or a dog family, we're a bird family, but we can talk about birds separately. Um, what are some of the core issues that our pets and dog friends experience as it pertains to both the microbiome and some of the chronic degenerative diseases, chronic health conditions uh, that normally cause problems. I know our cats and dogs are affected by sort of all the stuff that we are, whether it's cancers or diabetes, what have you. What are some of the, the core issues that you are uh, talking to folks about specifically in this area? I mean, we definitely started with sort of the um, IBD, if you will, type cases for cats and dogs. Um, mm -hmm. So the chronic enteropathies is what they now sort of refer to it in, in vet veterinary medicine. Um, and especially with cats, we're thinking about this link between sort of I IBD diagnosis and mm -hmm. the development of GI lymphoma, there seems to be a pretty 
strong connection, though it's never really been established scientifically. Um, it's hard to get funding for this work, but um, but a lot of veterinarians really suspect a link there. Um, there are other, yeah, another other health conditions. So we have a, a clinical trial going on with the University of Helsinki School of Veterinary Medicine, where they're looking at chronic enteropathies in dogs and trying to use reduce the use of antibiotics. So when you you use betronidazole or they also use tylosin to resolve diarrhea in dogs, they're both of those have really high relapse rates. Um, so that study, they're doing a short course of tylosin to get the diarrhea under control, and then they're following it with a fecal transplant using our oral capsules to see if they can reduce the relapse rate um, by in reintroducing these microbes or, that are found in healthy dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, others have looked at, so canine parvovirus, like the addition of fecal transplants to the standard of care seems to um, increase the, reco- uh, reduce the recovery time and like it's basically, and maybe also increase survivorship if they had, it's like small, but a trend towards that in terms of they need a bigger sample size to statistically show increased survivorship, but it was looking in the right direction. Um, Acute diarrhea has been shown to be, um, to benefit from fecal transplants. We have a study going on with the University of Illinois where they're looking at diabetes mellitus. Got it. And an abstract there by um, Dr. Gall has been accepted for um, presentation this June, um, showing that um, promising signs that blood sugar um, is seems to be better under control in dogs who received sort of oral um, capsules with healthy stool. And, you know, looking at uh, the animal biome sort of, you know, portfolio in this, and you really have three focuses, uh, assess, restore, and maintain. So uh, assessing you know, the general understanding of, of what's going on with, uh, with the microbiome, uh, restoring what's happened in terms of these, this merry-go-round process of antibiotics and so forth, and then ultimately maintaining on the long term. And I think a really, you know, we can start with the first one of these, the assessing. I, I know, you know, I read uh, that you've, um, you know, over the last couple of years, you've generated this really robust database uh, of ten, literally 10,000 or so, or 12,000 DNA samples, uh, thousands of animals. Um, Talk a little bit about the tools, the the sequencing, the you know, whether you're using artificial intelligence, um, because you know we're, the microbiome, as we you know, we've discussed it in a little bit in the past on the show, is a very complex place, right? <laughs> There's a lot going on there, uh, a, a wide range of different microbes, uh, viruses, and so forth. Um, talk a little bit about sort of the the data component of this and and how you go about assessing uh, these really complex. Uh, bio uh, <laughs> living mixtures. Let's put it that way. Yeah, no, this is a it is a complex ecosystem, and there's so much variation from individual to individual. Um, so we really focus on what the the core microbiome. So the mm-hmm. the groups of organisms that are most prevalent in the healthy populations of cats and dogs. Um, we do have a side project with ferrets as well, not birds yet. Um, and I think by so having a healthy reference set is really critical because. There's a lot, um, yeah, the healthy individuals, I think, are more similar to each other than all the different sick ones are. There's just a lot of variation among sick individuals and the composition of the gut microbiome. So we break it down several ways. We think about, um, so do they have good representation of these core taxa that we find in healthy individuals? Often we find that, that they can be missing bacteria, and usually this is associated with prior antibiotic exposure, but sometimes 
you just didn't get everything you needed for mom. I mean, it's just, you know, if mom didn't have everything, then it's, you know, it's hard to get. And the, the, the bacteria that we're really interested in are not in probiotics today. We're, we have a discovery lab and we're isolating them and creating sort of the probiotics of the future for that. Um, it's a lot of people doing this for humans. It is really complex. So how do you know which ones and which combinations to create? Like we're going to create thousands of, of products, um, but it's really promising. Tar microbiome is a very promising target because um, you can really alleviate a, a, a lot of symptoms associated with various diseases through supporting gut health or the balance of um, bacteria in the gut. So even if we don't think it's necessarily causing these conditions um, or that we can cure them, we can help with symptoms through, you know, through diet and supplements. And hopefully these also these cocktails in the future. Um, the other thing that we look at is we find elevated levels of some pathobionts. So pathobionts are commensal bacteria that are normally found in the, the gut flora, but mm -hmm. um, but with the loss of other beneficial bacteria, they can become overgrown. And one really clear example of this is Escherichia coli or E. coli. Sure. And um, it's so common. It's, you know, almost all cats and dogs have it and people and, you know, birds and livestock. It's amazing. It's like just very prevalent in birds and mammals. Um, but it should be at really low levels. And when, when the microbiome becomes depleted, it can become overgrown and actually really contribute to a chronic inflammatory state. And so we have um, identified a bacteriophage cocktail. So these are little viruses that attack yeah. specific groups of bacteria um, called Pre4Pro. So it's got four phages in it and it's designed to try and keep down some of the worst E. coli strains. Of course, there are many, many E. coli out there. So we're also doing discovery work to isolate the ones that are most associated with with cats and dogs and create new ones in the future. That's, that's interesting. The, uh, the, the bacteriophage connection, uh, which is, you know, another one of those really, a, a really cool sort of cocktail focused uh, approach uh, to dealing with, you know, these uh, dysregulated cocktails of microbes. It's extremely interesting to hear that you're, you're looking at the phages as well on that front. Um, one of the, you know, one of your really interesting papers from, I think, uh, nine, uh, 2019, um, I had to do, you know, you, you, one of the areas you're focusing on, um, as I mentioned um, uh, in the intro, is sort of understanding some of these interesting uh, probiotic formulations uh, as a way to uh, restore and modulate what's going on in the gut microbiome. And you had this really interesting paper on um, uh, crickets uh, <laughs> and looking at uh, uh, the fact that these uh, uh, crickets uh, and the chitin and the chitosan and all these interesting polysaccharides uh, are beneficial sources of fiber that ferment in certain ways and help modulate in a beneficial way the uh, the dog microbiome. Can you talk a little bit about just how you you came across the crickets? And uh, I, I, I assume this may be one of the, uh, uh, the probiotic type products you're developing, but uh, whatever you can say about this, I thought this is an interesting paper. Yeah, well, you know, I have I have a background in entomology. So, um, yeah. and you know, we talked a lot in um, grad school about how insect protein could be a really great you know, protein yep. source for feeding human populations. Um, so I was really excited to learn about companies like Jiminy's that are making cricket and other insect-based um, dog foods and treats. Mm -hmm. um, and they're local to us. So I've become friends with, with Ann Carlson who founded that company. And so that's the other fun thing about entrepreneurship is connecting with other, other entrepreneurs. Um, 
she's really interested in science. And so she wanted to include microbiome um, analysis as part of her, her like digestibility research. So, they, so in order to like bring a dog food to market with cricket protein, they had to do research to show that it would be digestible and, you know, that the dogs would do well on it because historically insect, um, insects has been, have been considered a contaminant in the food supply, right? So mm. it's sort of a shifting focus, but the reason there's a lot of interest, right, is because of sustainability and like you can grow a lot of yep. cricket protein in a good way. Um, and, but it is also super interesting from a microbiome perspective because they're getting the chitin, right? The, the exoskeleton of the crickets and the other insects that they can use in these kinds of foods um, go into the food and actually can help support bacteria that can break them down. And because dogs and, and people can't on our own digest chitin. Yeah. I, I uh, strangely enough, uh, several months ago, I had a cricket taco at a, <laughs> a local restaurant. So. Anyway, uh, I, I was intrigued by that one. Um, they sell it at the ballpark in Oakland anyway. The cool. Stadium. There you go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, Holly, another um, interesting paper, which you, you just published uh, a couple months ago, um, was in uh, Frontier Veterinary Sciences. Uh, it was entitled Best Practices for Microbiome Study Design uh, in Companion Animal Research. And, and this is very interesting. You, know, you bring in the obviously the importance of uh, understanding and, and how you work with uh, companion animal research, but also the microbiome component. And I think, you know, um, you know, a little, sometimes we, we, we talk about human research and we think, oh, companion animal research, that's a lot easier, but there's a lot more that goes into this um, and, and the sort of the uniqueness of uh, the design of these studies when you have both uh, uh, probiotics or nutritional interventions and you're dealing with uh, people's household pets and so forth. Talk a little bit about uh, why I wrote this paper and, and some of what, um, in terms of the best practices, things that you're learning and, and, and providing, and as you said in this paper, it really is a resource to everybody else out there, whether it's clinicians, researchers that want to study cats and dogs. What are some of the, the highlights there that you're, you're learning about uh, developing these uh, clinical trials? Yeah, so we, we grew out of a citizen science project, the Kitty Biome Project. And so for that, I developed an in-home test kit. So we mail you a kit, you collect a bit of poop, put it in a vial with a fixative and send it back to us. And that approach turns out to be very useful for um, for companies or others trying to do studies to see what's um, how how their products might actually work in the real world and uh, like benefit pets that who are living in houses as opposed to colonies. Also, right there's some companies that they don't want to do research with colony animals. They're you know, okay. very concerned about animal welfare. Yep. Um, but we've done studies with both. Um, there's and then we started to realize that people who um, are you know smart scientists know how to design studies. If they don't have some background in microbiome, there's some simple pitfalls that, that we wanted to help them avoid. Like for example, um, say you're even using colony dogs, um, mm -hmm. you need to make sure that you do kind of a washout. Like if they were all on different diets for some other study last month, they need a 30 day washout where they're on the same diet before you can test a product in them if you're looking at microbiome responses. Because otherwise they're gonna be all, their microbiomes will be starting in different places and it'll just add a lot of noise and we won't necessarily be able to pick up the signal of the effect of, of your, you know, supplement or food product if we, they all start in different places. Um, another thing we ran into is um, it's important to have the, 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 the cats or dogs in the study uh, be somewhat independent. Like you don't want to have... Um, 
you don't want to have like three in one house and six in another. And so we like, we prefer to have one pet per household in the study um, because right, they're not independent samples otherwise. Um, so that's just something about working with pets and homes. Um, we did do one study where they were trying to look at like adding some bacteria to the like cat litter box. I think in that case, it would be important to sort of make sure that like either all the cats are indoor cats or that you have like similar distribution of ones have access to the outside. If you, because if you're like adding a soil bacterium to litter, you might not see an effect if they're going outside and rolling in the dirt every day. Um, the other thing that we really like to recommend for people is that they start with a dosage study because if they don't really know the right dosage, they can invest a lot of money in doing a, a study yep. and then feel really disappointed with the outcome. But there's really nothing we can do about it if they don't know their dosage to begin with. So now we really do recommend starting there. Um, we do, we've done probably about 15 studies at this point with partners and for our own products simply because there was just a lot of interest in, in this capability that we had, but we didn't, we aren't trying to be like a contract research organization. We're sure. really trying to like help people and create new products. So, uh, you know, but we, we have done it to build relationships and we've learned a lot for, along the way. And so we wrote up that paper to try and share some of those learnings. Very cool. Um, on the animal, um, biome website uh obviously talk a lot about uh, the gut microbiome but you also mentioned this the skin um and i was wondering if you could say a few words obviously the gut microbiome is sort of what we all think about you know we, we hear the word microbiome but we're, we're learning about all these other microbiomes that exist everywhere in terms of the skin uh genital urinary canals pulmonary microbiomes and so forth um what are you what are you doing on the in terms of the skin are, are, are these are you looking at the skin microbiome of cats and dogs as well and, and those conditions or gut microbiome affecting skin or both? Yeah, no, so we, we um, well, we started with sort of focusing on gut health. Um, mm -hmm. We had a lot of people come to us, especially with dogs with chronic skin conditions like atopic dermatitis. Yeah. And for, especially for certain breeds, restoring the gut really seemed to help resolve some of these skin issues. So they're they, in, um, you know, microbiome research, there's a lot of interest in sort of the gut-skin axis. There's mm -hmm. also, right, other axes, like gut-brain, gut-liver, you know, yeah. sort of the more we look, it's just, um, you know, 70% of the immune system is, is, in, is in the digestive tract. So it's, and right, and it's directly connected to the circulatory system. So there's just a lot of, gut health is very foundational, but we do know that, of course, there, um, it's a complex system and um, we don't know everything that's happening. I think the skin microbiome is really interesting and I do plan to add testing for that as well. It's going to be more fungal. Um, we can do, we can test for fungi as well. Um, it's not nearly as diverse, right, as what you find in the gut for sort of obvious reasons. But if you have a certain fungal overgrowth, um, it may be important to identify that um, and maybe need, you know, may require some topical, topical solutions in addition to supporting gut health. How about, um... Aging. Um, we, we've done a couple episodes, uh, one with uh, uh, Matt Caverline's group out in, in Washington on, on his rapamycin work and dogs, and then uh, another here at, uh, at Roswell uh, Cancer Center on uh, sort of the so-called retrobiome and, and, and sled dog aging. Any interesting uh, plans to, uh, you know, obviously the connections between the microbiome and, and healthy aging, uh, I think, is recognized 
any, anything you're planning either currently or for the future in terms of just cat and dog a healthy yes dog aging cat aging is super important right these pets are part of our families and we want them to live as long as possible i think we all like to fantasize with our 15 year old dogs that maybe they'll make 30 um and uh um, so yeah, I'm super a big fan of dog aging projects and other efforts like that. Um, yeah, there actually there's some interesting products that have been pitched to us that may be helpful for that. Um, we're we're evaluating them. We don't want to offer false hope for people, and of course, you need long term studies to really know. Um, but uh, we are a supporter of the Morris Animal Foundation and are doing a big project with their golden retriever lifetime study. So that's giving us an opportunity to look at longitudinal samples taken you know, over 10 years from, from these golden retrievers and start to look at how things change as they age. And so it's definitely an active area of interest. And I mean, we know that most dogs end up dying of cancer. So that's sort of a to the development of cancer. So we're really focused on trying to be sort of promoting anti-inflammatory anti approaches. And that whole inflammaging component is so uh, prevalent and it's such a hot topic. Uh, that, that's exciting as well. Um, one other thing, I, and I know that I, this was a couple of years before you set up Animal Biome, but I just wanted to ask you about it because I, it, it ties into sort of um, not just the microbiome, but uh, you know, we, we've, we've gotten into this theme uh, with a few folks on the show uh, of this principle of one health and the connection between uh, humans, pets, and then the environment and, and, and wild species and so forth. And, and you published the paper, I think it was in 2014, on um, you were studying the microbiome of healthy mallard stocks and, uh, and, and sort of the connection between that and influenza virus, influenza A virus, uh, which I guess ducks and geese are a reservoir of. Um, any interesting things you're coming across in terms of how our microbiome makes us or makes our animals more or less resilient to the infectious diseases and they're just thinking to sort of the, the one health connection again, any learnings there as well uh, for the future? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's sort of two things that come up. I mean, the antibiotic use both in human and veterinary medicine, right, is, is promoting sort of these antimicrobial resistant organisms. And um, there was really interesting research coming out of Emory where they showed that like people are coming home from the hospital and they're sharing some of those organisms with their dogs. For some reason, it's more between dogs and people than with cats. Um, maybe the licking the face you know, is, <laughs> is a part of that. Um, but uh, so yeah, we're directly affecting them. And then there's definitely spread of things like C. diff, C. diff infections. We yep. have a lot of people reporting C. diff infections in their dogs that's, um, I think underreported sort of in this, so there isn't a lot of organized like uh, uh, in terms of like veterinary hospitals, like having a, a database where everyone can know like, oh, this um, this pathogen is emerging in, in our practices. Um, Campylobacter, there's been a big, um, I mean, I think that was within dog populations. It started um, with some breeders and it's been spreading the last two years. Not a lot of talk has been happening about that. And I think there is real risk for it to go between pets and humans. I think that, um, you know, we live so closely with them that like, it's not the one health, you know, makes a lot of sense when you're thinking about people and their households mm -hmm. and their household pets. Absolutely. 
Holly, what what uh what else is uh, hot for Animal Biome uh, in 2022? Um, events that are coming up, conferences that we can watch you or meet you at. Um, Anything else that you want to touch on, uh, please take the floor. Oh, sure. I mean, so we're launching a big study to look at the effect of a yeast postbiotic on the skin microbiome okay. or like one that on skin health, sorry, um, looking at the gut microbiome, but also, um, you know, inflammation in the skin and cats and dogs. And we are going to be at um, several conferences. We're going to be presenting a poster at ACVIM Forum for mm -hmm. Specialists in Veterinary Medicine in June. Um, we're also presenting a couple posters at Anaerobe Society, which is more for the microbiologists um, in the audience. Search that we've done on looking at the benefits of fecal transplants in cats for um, chronic enteropathies and also um, using contemporary genomic techniques to um, culture, hard to isolate bacteria to create these sort of new cocktails. And, um, and then we will be at the AHVMA Holistic Veterinary Conference in September. Outstanding. That's a, uh, it's going to be an exciting time. It's a, it's a, it's a fascinating area. Um, I, I really appreciate you sharing uh, some of the story with us and, you know, going to keep a, a, an eye out on everything you have going on. Um, for everybody that's going to be listening to uh, this particular episode uh, on our podcast networks or watching on the YouTube channel, uh, again, you've been listening to Dr. Holly Gans, Chief Science Officer and Co-Founder of Animal Biome, uh, doing really amazing things to help our, our cats and dogs lead longer, happier lives, uh, unlocking the potential of of, uh, of the gut microbiome. Um, Holly, it's a, a really fascinating story. I, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to come talk to us for a little while about it. Uh, obviously, thank you for everything you're doing there uh, for our pet friends. And as we say on our show, um, thanks for helping to create a better tomorrow for all of us. It's a really cool story. Oh, thank you so much.